Russ is a graduate of uh, Harding University in Searcy back in 77 and been preaching ever since. Is that right? Been preaching ever since, preached for congregations, and I didn't realize this. I, I knew you'd done some work with uh, 49th and Tacoma, but I didn't know you'd been to Minko. Preached in Minko, preached in Guthrie, and the church is still there. Uh, 12th and Drexel, preached over there, and presently he's at Southern Ridge, been there since 2000, just before I came here. So he's been there what, 11, 12 years, something like that. So, and I, I've, Russ is another one of those guys, as soon as you meet him, you just like him. He's just a good guy, but he's not just a good guy. He's a very capable guy, and every time I've heard him speak, I've been impressed. Spoke two years ago at the uh, Affirming the Faith seminar. That was two years ago, wasn't it? Or one before last, and did a great job, and he's, he's solid. He's one of those guys you can always depend on to be in the book and telling you what the book says and leading the Lord's people in the way of the Lord. So that's one of the reasons why we're thrilled to have you tonight, other than all the other things I've said in a poor son of a poor sharecropper and all that stuff. But we're just, I'm going to shut up and sit down and any amens? I'm going to turn it over to Russ and let him go. Brother, come on up here. We're glad to have you. I love it when a guy says you're solid. I think he's talking about your head, you know, just all the way through. Hey, it's great to be here with you. Some of you I know, some of you I, I don't know. Some of you know me, some of you are glad you don't know me, and uh, it's good to be here. I'll tell you other stories about Marty later. He's kept some of them hidden, but we know the truth. No, it's great to be here with you. It's a Wednesday evening, isn't it? It's hot outside and nice in here. It's great to be together with other Christians. It's a great time to be together. I love Wednesday evenings. I do. I hope you do too. I hope it's one of those practices we never lose. You know, I, I like a lot of things that we do. Of course, I'm an old traditionalist in a lot of ways. I, I like Sunday evenings. You know, it kind of interrupts that nap. But I like Sunday evenings. I like to go and be with Christians on Sunday evening, especially if we get to go eat afterward. That's always the good part. But I like a lot of those things, and I, I hope you do too. And it's great to be with you this evening. I've not been with this congregation before that I remember, and I'm glad to be here this evening and, and all. And uh, I hope you don't feel like one place that I went and spoke one time, and I was talking to one of the elders later, and he kind of alluded to something that one of the elders said. And I said, well, what did he say? Oh, it doesn't matter what he said. I said, no, tell me what he said. I might need this as well. He said, uh, you know, I don't really know who that fellow was, and but I didn't like what he said, and we don't need any more of that around here. So enough said. All I can do, you know what I can do is make the other guys you've had this summer, and you'll have yet look better, and it's great. But we're going to talk this evening about it is worth it. I, when they, Mike and Marty put this together, Mike contacted, uh, contact, I think he just sent out a general email to everybody that had, within a zip code, and a few of us responded, honestly. And he said, something the church needs. Come back with something the church needs. And I thought, well, my, my, that list could be uh, quite long. You know, we, there are a lot of things we need, aren't there? Somebody said, Russ, what do you need? My wife's got a list that's uh, volumes in length of what I need. When we start talking about what does the church need to hear, we'll just start at Genesis, run through Revelation, and we, we need to hear it all. But there, I know they meant some things that we especially need to hear. And we need to hear now. And you're hearing good things, and I know that. But I thought about it a little while, and I thought, we need to hear it's worth it. Because sometimes we get tired in the journey. 
Sometimes we know what we're supposed to be doing. We know what the Lord desires of us to do. But we just get tired along the way. When I was a little boy, we used to travel from Tulsa, where I grew up, where my father was a poor sharecropping preacher. Uh, we, we would travel to West Texas. We had relatives in Lubbock, and we had relatives in Sweetwater, Texas, and we had relatives in Hobbs, New Mexico, and so all out in that general direction. So we would, we would leave home early in the morning and take out. And you know how children were in the cars in those days before you could play movies in your cars? And we would drive my parents crazy on the way down. But I remember thinking as we would get in the car and we would drive from Tulsa and we would make it as far as Oklahoma City and I would say, are we there yet? Can't we just go back home? And it just didn't seem like the journey was worth it. But then when we got to grandparents or other family members' houses and we had a good time, it was every bit worth it. Today, I'd give anything to be back in the back seat of that old car again, traveling down the road, and just having a good time with family. Isn't it great? Isn't it great to be able to recognize there are good things along the way and there's something great at the end of the journey? And what I'm looking at is we as Christians quite often point towards heaven. We look at that and we recognize there is something coming. First John 3 and verse the first few verses there, as John's talking about what we're becoming, he talks about it doesn't yet appear what we will be. But we'll be like him and we'll see him as he is. And we say, I can't wait. I want to see it, but I want to see it now. We are an impatient people. We are a microwave generation. We want it and we want it now. We don't want to wait for it to cook in the oven. We're going to do everything we can to get it as quickly and get it now. We want our payment and we want our payment now. We want our happiness and we want it now. We want our wisdom and we want it now. We want our education and we want it now. We want to feel good and we want to feel good now. We go to the doctor and say, I don't feel good. He said, take this for the next 10 days. I don't want to take it for 10 days. I want it now. My son was in the hospital going on eight years ago, I guess. He was in the hospital. He had had an accident, injured his kidney. He was in great pain. And, and I was sitting there in the emergency room, and he was in great pain. And finally they came in, and they said, you know what, well, let us give you a shot. And he wasn't paying much attention, but they came in, and they gave him a shot. And within a few, within a moment or two, he was going, ooh, I feel better. He said, Dad, what was that? I said, they gave you a shot of morphine, son. He said, I like morphine. (laughs) But that's what we want. We want to feel good and we want to feel it now. We want that shot of morphine right now. I want to offer to you some thoughts. And I'm wandering about with this just a little bit this evening. But if you've got your Bible and you want to open it to the 19th chapter of Matthew, you'll, be, you'll realize a familiar story there that has to do with that rich young man that came to Jesus and had some questions of Jesus, and we'll deal with that. But there is something stated in the midst of that that I think has great value to us that was stated much earlier in Luke chapter 1 and verse 37 when when Mary was being confronted with the fact that she was going to have this child and the, dealing with the Lord on this matter and realizing she hadn't been married and all of this, and she ultimately says, of course, you know, I'm the handmaiden of the Lord, be it as you will, and so forth. Verse 37, she makes a statement, for with God, 
nothing is impossible. Same statement Jesus makes in the midst of all this discussion that takes place between Jesus and his disciples and this rich young man. After the rich young man has gone away, verse 26, he says, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. That's one that we need emblazoned right in front of our eyes. We don't need it on our forehead. Maybe that'd be a good place for it so everybody else could see it. We don't just need it on our car, on our bumpers, so that people will read it as we go down the street. But we need it in front of our eyes. You need that on your mirror in the morning. You need that on your eyeballs, the back of your eyelids, so that when you close your eyes, you say, with God, nothing is impossible or all things are possible. We need that because it's a reminder that when we are up, And feeling good, it's still, we need God. And when we're down and we're at the bottom, and we're wondering, is there any value to what we're doing? Are we really going to make it through this? Still got God. So keeping your finger in that story, we'll spend a little bit of time with it in a moment. This last year, early in the year, I was at the Early Wine Park. They have a YMCA there, and there is a a track that's a little over a mile and a half around there. And I I go there, and I jog on that track. And along about February, and we had such a nice winter this year, it was great to be outside running at at that time of year. And along about February, some people on the north end of that track, the north leg of that track, put a sign. I think it's the people that live in the house directly behind that, and they often have gates that go through there. Put a sign right next to a park bench that's there. And on that sign, they put these words. You have done tougher things than this. There were a lot of people training for half marathon and marathon. Now, that's not me by any means, you know, unless they can do marathons by the calendar instead of by the stopwatch. And people are training, and the encouragement was there. But the first time I went by and I saw that thing, and I thought, man, did I need that. I needed that. I need a reminder, you can do this because you've done tougher things than this. You've met obstacles before, and it's time you recognize you can keep going forward. And we could go a lot of places with that, but I love that sign. You know what it means. You've done tougher things than this. It's true. You know it. I know it. And when we've determined something to be worthwhile, whatever we believed we could do, we want to know we can do it. We want to know we can accomplish it, and we want to get to the doing of it. In the 19th chapter of Matthew, in verse 16, Matthew records, now, behold, one came. And we, we recognize he's a rich young man, referred to as a rich young ruler, typically. And you can look at the parallels of this. But now, behold, one came to him and said, good teacher, what good things shall I do that I might inherit or have eternal life? So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into, into life, keep the commandments. Well, the discussion from there. He says, which one? Jesus answers some of the commands. He says, verse 20, I've kept from my youth these things. What do I still lack? Jesus responds, if you want to be perfect, verse 21, go sell what you have, give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Verse 22, 
But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Jesus goes into a discourse then about riches and the difficulties involved. And the question, who then can be saved? Jesus responds in verse 26, with God all things are possible. Then verse 27. Keep in mind, verse 22, and then look at verse 27. Then Peter answered and said to him, See, we have left all and followed you. Therefore, what shall we have? And let's just read through the end of the chapter. So Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that, the, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne in his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. What is it? What is it about a challenge to our pattern of thinking and behavior that kind of frightens us or is so tough for us? What is it about it? But it is. We don't like those chains. We don't like something to confront us. We don't like something to get in our way. We don't like something that that seems to arbitrarily just confront us and say, you're going to have to change if it's going to be this way. I think some of it is found in the same reason we're not very good at keeping New Year's resolutions. You know how that goes. I mentioned the why. At the why, they call them resolvers. They come in right after the first of the year, and they're out by the middle of February. You know what that is. I resolve, I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to do this. And then six weeks later, they're not around anymore. We struggle with those kinds of things, don't we? We struggle with those resolutions. Say, I'd like to be better. I'd like to do that. Every now and then, someone will tell me of starting a running program. They know that I get out and jog and such as it is. And I'll get out and I'll jog and I'll run. And somebody comes and say, you know, I started running this morning. I say, great, that's wonderful. A few weeks later, I might run into the person again and say, well, how's that running program going? And they duck their head. You know how that goes. Well, you know, well, uh, well, things got busy at work, and, you know, it ended. That's the way it is. After a few days, it's gone. The excuses are any. There are many. But the reasons are the same. And here it is. The value was not greater than the challenge. The value of accomplishing what was put before you was not greater than the challenge that you met. Keep in mind what I've already told you. You've done tougher things than this. With God, all things are possible. And the value when we fall short or we stop in doing what we know we ought to do is not greater than the challenge. It is a matter of worth. It really is. You know the old statement, when the going gets tough. Well, the rest of that statement too often is the tough things lose their value. It's serious. It's a matter of worth. In the sixth chapter of John, Jesus gave some very direct teaching. He fed the people. They sought him out. He came back. He gave them some really tough teaching. And in verse 60, 
It says, therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it when he talks about drink his blood and eat his flesh? So he gives them a little more teaching. And then in verse 66, it says, and from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine walking out on Jesus? Can you imagine walking out on Jesus? Can you imagine just not following him anymore? Being there, listening to his words, recognizing his miracles, and then walking out on him. You know what? If we had been in the crowd, we probably would have been right there with them. That's something about us. It goes back to why does it seem so challenging? Why is it so frightening to us? Why is it so tough for us? When something challenges us to think a little bit differently or to do a little bit differently. I know we grow accustomed to our situations in life and it may present a challenge to us to, to alter that. When we recognize that God has called us to become something like those disciples who were fishing. Become fishers of men. It's a difference. It's a challenge. It's an alternative road. Well, I want you to keep in mind this rich young ruler, and I want you to keep in mind Peter as we look at him briefly, and then I want to offer to you just a a few thoughts, and I've got to do so hurriedly. I was in an elders meeting the other evening, and they said, we need five minutes between our bells. I haven't been giving five minutes between the bells at the end of classes. I don't know who's ringing the bells, but somebody hadn't been given five. We need five minutes. And one of the elders says, yeah, we need at least five minutes. Russ can't finish in five minutes. So there's a whole lot of truth to that. But we begin with the thought, I will. There's something I want to be. I will. There's something I want to be or something I want to do. There are dreams and aspirations we have in our minds and in our hearts. There are things that we set before ourselves. And I'm not talking about things that are unnecessarily unreasonable. But when we look at something, we say, there is something I want to become. There is something I want to change about myself. You know, I I don't mean you go from being five foot two to six foot eight. Maybe there's something about your personality, something about the way you deal with people, something about your knowledge that you want to change, your patterns of behavior, the time you get up in the morning, the time you go to bed at night, what you do with the time in between. Maybe there is something you want to change, something you want to become in your life. But the fact is good intentions are often met with hindering challenges. If you make a determination you're going to do something, you can expect that there are going to be hindering challenges. Now, that may sound kind of defeating in a way, but that's just the reality in which we live. But you know what we think? If it's something that's really good, or we think it is, We think everyone ought to know that my intentions are of the noblest order and grant me the latitude to do as I will and just kind of get out of the way. It's kind of like when I get on the freeway. Got on the freeway coming over here. I thought, oh, man, I hope we don't have to call and say, man, I am late. It was backed up. Police had somebody pulled over. It was backed up. And I thought, this doesn't look good. It moved fairly quickly and we got through. But I thought, don't they know? I've got an appointment. They've got to get out of my way not the way it works is it that's not real life good intentions are often met with hindering challenges we have to ask what is it that stands in the way generally speaking if it's coming from outside that's one thing but what happens when it comes into our minds when a challenge hinders us when a challenge stops us when it gets in our way of doing what we know we want to do or we ought to do 
It has to do with value. If we see that a thing has enough value, we do it. But if it doesn't have enough value to us, we don't. What happens is we end up spending a lot of time excusing ourselves and telling others, and we even tell the Lord quite often just how it ought to be. Which, by the way, some of you have not been praying enough for rain at my house. I'm serious. I went into the office the other day. That morning I'd been out for a walk, and I, I said, Lord, this would be a wonderful day for it to rain. We need it. We need the rain. Drove to the church building. The parking lot was soaking wet. But my yard was as dry as a bone. Told our office manager, I said, you know, I need to do something about my prayers. And he said, what happened? I told him, he said, you just need to be more specific, Russ. Seriously. We spend a lot of time telling the Lord exactly how it ought to be, and we tell others exactly how, how it ought to be. But stop and think about the meeting of challenges and the depression or the hindrance that it, it puts in our way as we go along. And isn't that an undercurring or a completely running theme through the Sermon on the Mount? Just think about those Beatitudes for a moment. Think about the Beatitudes and we recognize we're meeting challenges. Who wants to be in poverty of spirit? Who wants to be in mourning? Who wants to have to humble themselves to be meek? Who wants to be the person who is hungering and thirsting? We'd much rather be filled. Who wants to be the one who is having to extend mercy? Who wants to be the one who has to struggle with being, we love being pure in heart, but the struggling and dealing with it to, we kind of like flawed heroes a lot. Pure in heart. And nobody wants to be persecuted. But Jesus tries to get across to our understanding that where these are, there is, in dealing with them, the reward in the end, blessed state. And each one has its counterpart and its countermeasure within it. But how do we deal with it? How do we deal with it? We look at those things, those obstacles that get in our way. We get in, the, we get in spiritual and, and otherwise, so... We consider it this way. Well, what is it that I really want to do? Because what I do, what I want to do, I really do. And so we ask ourselves then, well, what do I feel comfortable doing? We're good at that in our society. We tell people, well, well don't, don't do anything. Don't do that if, it, if it's bothersome to you. If that's too far for you, don't, don't do that. Or that costs you too much, don't do that. You know, every year my kids will ask me at birthday, Christmas time or something. So, Dad, what do you want? Say, oh, honey, don't buy me anything. You don't need to buy me anything. Instead, I should be saying, man, how much money you got? Let's get something good this year. I'm being facetious in a way, but you understand what I'm saying? We tend to excuse and we excuse and we excuse. Say, you don't have to do that. You don't need to do that. And we do that to ourselves. What do you feel comfortable doing? We've done that in the church. Rather than calling on people to challenge themselves and to reach beyond themselves just a little bit, we start saying, well, if you're not comfortable with doing that, you don't, you don't have to. Oh, get over yourself a little bit and start doing some things that take you a little bit out of your comfort zone or else you're never going to learn how to do anything. You know what? When, you, when I got on a bicycle, I didn't know how to ride the thing. But my mother took the training wheels off it. I was five years old. 
I think. And my mother took the training wheels off of it. She said, you're going to learn to ride a bicycle today. She got me on it, and she just shoved me just like that. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not, making, I'm not making that up. And she shoved me just like that. It went till I fell over. She said, bring it back here. Let's do it again. And we did it over and over. And, you know, within a little while, I could actually ride a bicycle. You've got to stretch yourself. You've got to put yourself in sometimes places that you're not always comfortable being to be able to do it. Sometimes you just got to get up and give it the try. Sometimes you've got to make a mistake. Sometimes you've got to look a little bit foolish. But that's what it takes. What do I feel comfortable doing? But one of the other questions we ask is, what will give me the most? And then you fill in the blank. Benefit, pleasure, fulfillment, notice. That's what I'll do if it gives me all of that. And then maybe one of the most predominant we ask, what's everybody else doing? Because we, whether we like it or not, we're herd followers. It's tough to go against the herd, isn't it? If we listen very carefully, we find that Jesus has that continual undercurrent telling us, keep on, man, don't let them stop you. Don't let them get in your way. For even as he is on the cross, even as he is being mocked, even as people are belittling him, even as the life is flowing out of his body, Jesus is being true to what he has been throughout his life, all the way. He begins with being about his father's business, and some of the last words that he says are this, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. Luke 23, verse 46. Valued is tied to the one who is being followed or trusted. We'll go to the nth degree. We'll go to the very end. We'll take obedience unto death, even the death on the cross, if we have that kind of trust. You know people like that. You know people that you'd follow. You know people that you'd stand beside. You don't even ask them why. They say, come stand with me and die with me. You say, I'll be right there with you. And you wouldn't hesitate for a moment because you'd love them, you'd trust them, you're with them all the way. No making excuses there. And I think we know with that in mind that trust can take us places and help us to do things we would never be able to do alone. So stop and think, where are we in the church, spiritually speaking, where are we struggling? Where are we struggling? Well, I have a, I have a recurring statement that I always give to people. We're short in reading the Bible. We don't read the Bible enough. Let me give you my, let me give you my little spiel, and I've got to do it quickly because I'm going to run out of time real quickly. If you'll take 20 minutes every day, 20 minutes. You got 20 minutes today while you're eating your breakfast, while you're eating your supper, while you're turning off the television and watch, not watching the stupid stuff we watch outside of the Olympics. <laughs> Seriously, you got 20 minutes today? You can read through the Bible twice in a year. If you're a little slower reader, you can at least read it through one time. Now, study it otherwise. I'm just talking about reading, but we need to read the Bible. If you're not doing it, it's time to start doing it. It's time to put yourself on the program, get to read it. You guys may be fantastic at that. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there for you. But I think that's an area we fall short. We are really being greatly affected by changing applications of values in our times, in our society. I think you're, you're with that. And I think as the church is progressing, as we're moving along in the generations, by what I'm, is what I mean, as we're moving along in our, our, 
our lives and one generation passing, another coming along. I think there are good intentions, but some are beginning to ask, is it worth it? Is it worth it to stick by basic and plain Bible instruction? Do we need to do that as much as we, we did? Some are asking, is it worth it to have regular church attendance and Bible class? Is it worth it to make that effort to be here on a Wednesday evening like this? It's a lot easier to excuse yourself and say, boy, I got in late, it's tough, didn't have time to really fix up much to eat. You know, all kinds of excuses are available. It's the middle of the week and I'm tired. Sure. How about Sunday morning, Sunday night, Bible class and so forth and, and other times getting together. I think some are beginning to wonder, is it worth it to get involved in visitation? Is it, is it worth it to get involved in evangelism? That's kind of discouraging sometimes. You go in, you teach somebody, you take them, you know, you go all the way, all through five film strips. I had four fingers up, five, only they're not film strips anymore, are they? DVDs. You can go through a whole study with somebody, whatever it is that you're using, Fishers of Men or anything else, go through the whole thing, somebody say, boy, that's great, I love that, that's wonderful teaching. And that's as far as it goes. It's discouraging. Or even just trying to get somebody to study with you can be a challenge sometimes. Visitation, evangelism, is it worth it? What about fellowship? Is, is it really worth it? Should, do we really have to go down and have another meal with some other Christians to spend some time talking to them? And I already mentioned Bible reading. Is it worth it to maintain that kind of moral character, faithfulness to mates, parents? Children, people. Well, why would we even ask questions like that? What obstacles are getting in our way? Well, our lives are, are full. And we've got all the blessings in the world we could begin to count from the, from the poorest of us to the richest of us. We're living in comfort. We're living with a lot of food. We're living with a lot available to us. We've got everything and the world at our fingertips. Things that generations before us would have never dreamed were possible. One of my favorite television programs, maybe yours too, uh, just not my daughter-in-law's grandmother's favorite television program. I love the Andy Griffith show. I love to go back and watch some of the early ones, the Andy Griffith show, just fun. Good show. You go back to 1960, think of what we did not have in 1960. A lot of good things we've got today. Well, there was somebody says it's a simpler time. Of, well, I know there were a lot of good things about it. There were a lot of wonderful things about the time in which we live. We've got the world at our fingertips. But we're also a, a people, and part of the reason we struggle is because the value of our short to mid-term rewards uh, don't seem available to us. We don't see them immediately. Then we just don't want to have anything to do with it. So that takes us back. It takes us back to where I began with the idea with God, nothing will be impossible. That's what Mary said. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the change that brought to this young woman's life? We talk about her, her, her kinsman, her cousin Elizabeth, and the change that was brought is announced to her that she's going to have John the Baptist, of course, to her husband first, and then she becomes a realization of this, and then Mary is brought to her and Joseph. These two couples, can you imagine the change that was brought in their lives? With God, nothing will be impossible. As Peter said, what then shall we have? He comes along in this point. He's following Jesus. He loves the Lord. He's dedicated to the Lord 
And Peter wanted to know if his efforts and sacrifices were worth it. Is this really worth it? I think we all want to know that. We all want a sign along the way that says, you've done tougher things than this. Keep running. There's, there's good at the end of the journey. But recognizing the journey is great as well. What then should we have? Peter wanted to know. There are values that we may have overlooked. But God has included them. Sometimes we don't stop and sort of smell the roses along the way. You know, preachers are a lousy lot except for Marty and Mike, maybe, and Dayton. They're, they're good. Preachers are a lousy lot. They gripe a lot. i got a couple of friends. We get together about every Monday morning and gripe. <laughs> really, we don't. But, you know, it's easy to complain. Say, you know, so-and-so, the things are not going right. Attendance wasn't up. The contribution wasn't good. We're not doing good and this. Something wasn't right. You know what we forget? We don't really do that. But you know what we forget when we get that way? We forget all the good that was round about us. I was sitting there talking to a friend just the other day, and he was saying, I said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. I said, the thing you need to do is kind of like the old song, go back and count your blessings, but start looking at the people that are always dedicated and there, always there and a part of it, always there and encouraging, always there and a part of your life. God included these things. They are there. We need to recognize it. There is more than heaven involved in this. We, we appreciate the ultimate goal, but we want to see and we need to see the values applied along the way. We need to see the richness that is there. And when we do and when we share it, it becomes a blessing to others. We need to know. We need to know as we're going along. We need to know as we're holding true to his word. We need to know as we're reading his Bible. We need to know that as we're going through one of those long-winded, boring sermons, that it is worthwhile. Because we need the message that reminds us God is and he is able. We need the message that says not only is God able, but he's willing. It's kind of what Peter was getting at, wasn't it? God is not willing that any should perish. He's already made the testimony of that. God demonstrated his love in the, while we were yet sinners, Paul says in Romans 5. Christ died for us. His love is there. And Peter wraps it up saying, hey, God's not willing that any should perish. That's why all this time is to our benefit. Then lay on ourselves... Failure is not an option. We need to see the opportunity of life as not a short-term goal. After listing all those people of faith, the writer of the book of Hebrews comes to the, where we divide it in the 12th chapter. and talks about laying aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And he says, and run, and you know the rest of that, don't you? Run with perseverance. The race that is set before us. I had a great discussion with a, a lady that was trying to get her life back on track the other day. And I said, you know, she said, I go along a while, do good, and then I fall off. I said, you know what? We need to recognize that life is not a sprint. That our spiritual life is not a sprint. Yeah, we love those moments when we're, we're feeling good and we're running hard. And like the Olympics, those guys that run that 100 meter, and then it's done. Now life's a marathon. 
And you just keep on running. And sometimes you do hit the wall. Sometimes you have those moments. Sometimes you have those times that say, I just can't go any further. But we have to remind ourselves, failure is not an option. See the opportunity of life as not a short-term goal, but an, a one that takes our endurance and perseverance that says, let's go all the way. And a key to it, as that writer tells us there, as Paul applies in his life in Philippians 3, a key to it is, Lay aside the things that are going to hold you back. Lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Paul gets into his list in Philippians 3 of those things that have been in his life and how important and how valuable they've been in his life. And he goes through this list and he said, I counted them like what's thrown in the garbage can and carried out. I tossed them in the trash. Why? Because he wanted to know Christ. He wanted to attain to his resurrection. He wanted to know the power of that resurrection. So what we're dealing with is the power of hope. It is the power of hope that we're dealing with. We've been treated to those post-win interviews of athletes at the Olympics. We've listened to the things they've said and other times, but I was just thinking just recently. You know, and, and they'll talk about the things that they endured, and you watch them, and sometimes there'll be interviews that tell about the trials, the things that they've done, the preparations that they've made. And it's interesting when one says, you know, I haven't been able to eat a regular meal, haven't gotten to have dessert or something like that for, for the last 14 years or last three weeks or whatever it is. It doesn't matter. You know, so I've given that up. And mostly they just want to give thanks and tell that they've worked hard to get where they are, and I'm thankful to be here. And every now and then you'll hear the word Blessed. I thought about one the other day that said, I'm blessed to be here. Mostly they just want to give thanks. We've made it this far. Every now and then when life starts getting heavy on me, I stop and I say, it's time to look and count the blessings and say, boy, how in the world did I deserve all of this? You know, I came over here this evening and some of my kids came with me and uh, brought part of the grandkids along and every now and then they're running around the house and they're pulling toys out and they're throwing them all over the place and they're making noise and disrupting an old man's life and every minute I'm thinking isn't this great I don't deserve a blessing like that that's not what it's about I'm just thankful for it and it makes every step of the way worthwhile you want to you want to do this they tell me there's going to be one more bell here in a minute I think they're running late and I'm thankful for that If you would step out, at home they do it early just to be mean to me, I think. Would you step out to do for the Lord what you have not done? Well, what do you need to do? One, ask and seek what the Lord would desire for you to do. What is it that I could do? What is it that's there that needs doing that I could do? Then put into your mind. Imagine yourself doing it. Can't you imagine those disciples when Jesus said, Follow me and I'll make you to become fishers of men. What in the world does that mean? And imagining themselves going out and doing and dealing with people in a different way than they ever had. Imagine yourself doing it. Then spend some time on your knees. Pray. Pray for courage. Pray for wisdom. Pray for strength. Pray for opportunity. Then begin to look for those who would support you. Look for those who would be around you. Look for those who would encourage you along the way. But there's one more step. Just do it. Just do it. I think too often we're sitting around looking and waiting for somebody else. 
somebody else to pave the way, somebody else to set the course, somebody else to set up the program, somebody else to do this. What we need to do more than anything else is just do it. Just do it. And others will see in you. And it just may be that others will do it too. I want to thank you very much for your your time and the opportunity to be here this evening to share this with you, if it's all right. I'd like to have a word of prayer. Our Father and our God, we thank you. We thank you that you give us the opportunity to get back up and to, to run again. We thank you that you're long-suffering with us. Father, help us to remember that you were there every step of the way, and help us, Father, to recognize how blessed we are and remind us, Father, that we can do the tough things when you are the one who gives us the power to do them. In all things, Father, we pray that your will will be done not only this day but every day in us and that people will truly see in us a reflection of your Son and our Savior Jesus. And it is in him we pray. Amen.